0: I to uh, record this. I recorded last week. If anybody wants to get it, I can email it to you or anything. Um, so this is a pretty, pretty prolific statement. Um, so he starts off basically, um, you know, basically saying that if, if, if uh, if you think you're devout, if you think you're religious, but you have no control over your tongue, your religion is worthless. And he's gonna go on. A, he's gonna talk about the tongue in a little bit, and basically says, "No, if if you can control your tongue, you're perfect." So essentially, I think what we're gonna see as we go through this passage here is he does a lot of what Paul does. There's a lot of uh, law and gospel in here because I think James forces us to. Um, he forces us to realize that we we're totally dependent on Christ and His righteousness, and. Uh, so we're going to see that. But one of the first questions I have here from that verse is, what do the words we speak reveal about our faith? So he's saying if, if, if you say you're religious, um, you have to bridle your tongue. You know, you have to, you have to control the words that you say. So what are, what are the things that we speak? And there's biblical answers for this. What are the things that we speak reveal about our faith? any any ideas so what you speak essentially um, you know reveals what's in your heart like Jesus said from the mouth comes out what's from the heart so uh, you know if you have doubt if you have anger in your heart, go ahead, Josh. You had something? Well, I was going
1: to say, Dr. Backus in uh, Biblical Counseling talked about how, uh, and it relates to this, is that um, people are like sponges, or your heart's like a sponge. Yeah. And so if you get put under pressure, and the world squeezes your heart, Yeah. and you start yeah. cursing and types of things it's revealing what's really inside the sponge yeah like right? the sponge on the outside can look good yeah you squeeze it and a bunch of muddy water comes out of it <laughs> yeah was it clean
0: yeah and that's what James that's a good illustration because that's kind of what James is getting at and Jesus is getting at I mean through the Sermon on the Mount and everything our heart is art uh, no matter how religious or devout we think we are um, if if you can control your tongue, James is going to say you're perfect, you know, if you can control your tongue. The tongue is, uh, like we talked about last week, it is it is, it's powerful. It's, James goes on to say it sets worlds on fire. I mean, what you say reveals so much. You know, if you're fearful, if you're anger, bitterness, um, worries, all this comes when the pressure of the world... Um, You know, starts weighing on you. And if what we're going to see in the next chapter, if you're staying by the world, if you're swimming in the world, um, you know, you're going to talk what's in your heart. So lies, need to control, cuss words, anger, all these things are going to come out. So, yeah, that was a really good illustration. So verse 27, I just uh, this is such a, a potent um verse he says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So, what is true religion? What do these things say when he says to visit orphans and widows in their affliction? What is he saying? He's saying, You're going to be, if you're if you're truly devout you're going to be giving your life to people and things that offer you nothing in return. Orphans and widows in their affliction, you're not getting anything by helping them and sacrificing your life. And the key there is in their affliction. um, You know, so many of our Americanized Christianity, we have so many ways that we think we're doing ministry. You know, like if we go to a soup kitchen and serve (coughs) serve soup, You know, I've done that numerous times. It's a good thing. But those things that we fit on the schedule, that we sacrifice little, that, you know, are not really crucial or, you know, crucial in our day-to-day life, that's not what James is getting at here. James is saying when you're inconvenienced, when your life's interrupted, when God puts you in a situation because he's sovereign, as we kind of went through the first thing, He puts you in a situation where someone's in desperate need and it's going to cost you and it's going to cost you. And there's nothing on the paper. There's nothing in the ledger that you're going to get back if you're sacrificing your time and money for orphans and widows. You know, so that's what he's getting at. The Christian life is one of total um, self selflessness. And it's like Jesus said Loving your neighbor uh, as yourself and loving God with your whole heart. That's that's essentially what James is getting at when he when he finishes off there and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And he's going to give some examples as we get into chapter two about that, um, about that. So the the ways of the world that he's going to go into, you know, we're going to talk about partiality. But what do do you think it means to be? Staying by the world. What are some, what are some acute examples, and what are some that sometimes, get a pass in the church? Because there's sins that get the stamp of approval in churches.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a stamp of approval <clears throat> means like gossip.
0: Yep, I've got a, I've got an illustration about that. I think I might, I might save it, but yeah. Um, gossip, uh, self-sufficiency, you know, uh, idolizing money, control, um, these things, we can look at so many churches, <clears throat> particularly less uh, historic or less reformed, if the person's a businessman, don't put him in charge of the church. You know, if the person is well-to-do, you know, he dresses nice, or, you know, they'll you know, he, he's get the, he'll, 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 he can take the reins at the church, you know, things like that. But gossip, some circles like ours, drunkenness, gluttony, you know, those things um, can be more acute. But to be stained from the world, James is about to get us give us um, a really good example in chapter 2. But there's many ways, and I think the church now is not just stained. I think the church is just drenched in the world. I mean, the church is... The church is basically bathing in the world in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, it's our our view of sin and understanding of sin is what James is about to attack here coming up. It's like we just, some things we accept, some things we go on rampages about, are completely, uh, we'll go on crusades about. Meanwhile, we're totally rotting in another area. And James is about to just dismantle all that and say, Look, you may be totally against abortion. You may be down at the clinic every day, but you're sitting here slandering your neighbor. You're sitting here withholding uh, help from a person that I've put in your life. So don't tell me that you're religious devout when you're rotting over here is what he's gonna get at.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the other side of the coin of uh, being approved by lots of
0: churches is there's no discipline even though they disprove yeah they don't do anything about it yeah yeah uh, yeah there's a total um yeah that's that's and that that leads into cowardice you know there's a lot of sin there i mean cowardice cowardice is listed in revelation as one of the sins that is thrown into the lake of fire, you know, and people are scared They're scared. They don't want to, um, they don't want to offend powerful people, which is what James is about to get into. So let's, we're good. We can talk, talk, this is going to tie, um, a lot of this is going to tie all together. Uh, so let's, let's just continue in chapter two, just to get through. This is too, Two parts that we should be able to get through. So I start off in verses um, 1 through 7 in chapter 2. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? <clears throat> so we can kind of break this down. Um, the first part is, um, you know, he's, this beautiful phrase. My brother, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Because basically what he's setting up here is um, how you treat others Reflects God's glory. How you are going to be treating those people who come into your congregation, your assembly, reflects God's glory. The Lord of glory uh, is being displayed in the way that you treat others. And the examples he's given here is the sin of partiality. And so he says a man comes in, he's got a gold ring. you know, I don't. I can't imagine what it was like back then. <laughs> you might come in with like a robe, you know, like a silk robe, lots of gold, wealthy. Here, it would be someone who dresses nice, well put together. You know, reflect reflects money or something. And you come in and you treat them. You welcome. You open up the doors. You say, "Oh, welcome to our church." You give them the best seat in the house. And then you have someone come in who, um, you know, may still be. Who's desperately in need of Christ, but they, they look like they're homeless or borderline homeless. They may even have some kind of evil rock musician shirt on, shabby. They come to your, your church and uh, there's no welcoming them. You know, you, don't, you may not even have greeted them, and they come in and basically are, you know, treated differently than others. The partiality. You're making a distinction. This rich man is worthy of respect and honor. This shabby man isn't. And um, those are, Paul says, they're evil distinctions and you become a judge with wicked thoughts. <coughs> that person who's, who's homeless, who is looking for something, looking some kind of help, needs to be in that church just as much as the rich man. And the Christian... Um, The Christian, when we show partiality, it's basically trashing the gospel. (coughs) It's because what he's going to get into as we go on, if we look at, let's just go ahead through 8 through 13, because he kind of ties us all together. If you really fulfill the royal law, according to scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing a sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For who, he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as though her to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over... So he kind of goes into what Paul goes into in uh, Romans one and two, particularly because this is a Jewish um, audience. Paul says, "You who abhor idols, are you robbing temples? You hate the idols, which is good, but you're over here stealing money from the temples." It's because this the Jews historically. This is this is interesting particularly when you get into the Talmud and, you know, some of the rabbinic um, writings, they are always on the Sabbath, basically writing ways to trick God. So, and you can see this, there's viral YouTube TikTok videos going around now that modern day people who practice Sabbath, they go through all the tricks that they have to not not flip a switch on or not turn on a candle. Like there's a, uh, what they'll do is they'll turn the light on on Friday and they have a black box that goes over it. So when they need light, they lift up the box because the light's always on underneath or they have a sensor when they walk through the door. It turns stuff on because we all get crafty in our righteousness. Self-righteousness is all of our greatest enemies. We all want to justify ourselves. And that's what Paul and (coughs) James are getting at.
2: Yeah, I think of the elevators in
0: the city. Yeah, I've been to Israel. Yeah, it stops. Stops at every floor on the stairs. So you don't have to touch have to the button. Anybody. Yeah, I remember right. that. We stayed at like a. That's a big sim. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, touching a button, anything that ignites like a spark. So, but anyway, the heart of all that is that um, you're doing enough to obey God. You're doing the things you need to do to obey God. And what happens in church? What Paul, the illustration um, James is getting at here is that you can do all the church stuff. You can be devout. You can consider yourself religious. (laughs) If you're not bridling your tongue and if you're showing partiality, all that is in vain because he's getting at the heart. Because again, how you treat others is a reflection on who Christ is. So what he says here is the royal law. That's God's law. And he ties it to the law of liberty. And you see so much, like in my, my my brain connects all this stuff, but you see just Jesus's words all in what he's saying. He says, if you cannot forgive your brother, you will not be forgiven. This is what Jesus says, you know, and this is what James is saying here. If you have, um, if you really fulfill the law of liberty, the law of liberty is that Jesus has dealt with your sin, you know, you, you, you don't have to worry about that. You are free to obey, in which he's going to get into when we get into the faith works discussion. But this is nothing of you. He's telling you all in this passage, your heart is dirty. He's, he's telling you all in this book, you got a dirty sponge in your heart. You know, and you, how do you become an evil judge you, you let yourself become an evil judge when you deny the receptiveness that you've been shown in the gospel. When you deny to the poor person, um, because they have nothing to offer you, true religion to look after orphans and widows in their affliction, the poor person comes in, this is going to take my time, I'm going to have to stay with them after <coughs> church. They stink, they're going to scare off all, our, our, all of our... Um, well-to-do congregations. How are we going to deal with this person? But that is, that's nothing in light of what Jesus has done for us. Is essentially what James is saying. How are we filthy, undeserving of God's grace going to deny a poor person, a poor brother or sister, the opportunity to receive um, Jesus? You know? Did you want to say something, George? Well, I have a question yeah so
1: a lot of people will get this confused, or at least that in my mind, they'll get it confused and they'll they in essence go the Tim Keller route where the church is basically a vessel to dispense, yeah uh, charity to the godless, yeah, in hopes that they will become believers. Yeah. But whenever you read this, it says, here if a man come unto your assembly, If if they're coming to your assembly a man with a gold ring and then a a poor man, that seems to imply that he's talking about people who have uh, become members of the church. Yeah. So so they've joined the assembly. So this is is what James is getting at here, talking about our conduct everywhere regarding partiality.
0: Well, there's sit- Or are
1: they talking about it within the context well, of the church?
0: So evil, this there's an evil partiality. I mean, you you know, there's wisdom in how to deal with people, but he is talking about. I mean, the assemblies back then were word of mouth mostly, particularly in Jerusalem. So you had people that, um, you know, you had people that were coming in. the The, 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 the problem is, is just because someone becomes a believer and comes into the congregation. If you start treating them poorly, again, you're reflecting who God is when you treat them poorly. So you don't know where somebody, I don't know where any of your, the only person who knows where your spiritual state is, is you, you know, know, and so we can't, if someone's in the congregation and you start treating them poorly, they may say, well, this is how, you know, this is what God has to offer, you know, that's, you're in sin if you show partiality, you know, where you, where you lead a brother astray because they have nowhere else to go. And they're in the only place where they can get help, essentially, where the word is being taught and Jesus is accessible. And if you cut that off from them, you're, it's, you're, in, you're in sin. That's what the sin of partiality. He says, if you could do everything else, but if you do this, you're breaking the whole law, you know. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. What if you're partial to the poor over the rich? Yeah. You Can't do that
0: either. Well, you can't be partial to either. Yeah, was that? That's the No one's poor or rich from a Christian mindset. You know what I'm saying? God, everyone is either in Christ or out of Christ. You know, from a Christian mindset. Mm-hmm. The thing with conservatives is that we we can't let. There's no reason why liberals should be more loving than us. You know, like, we don't. Why do why we? You don't have to turn it into treat everybody but we're free like we know the truth like they're not God's gonna do what he's gonna do you know so we can love and you know what how how this is, again is true religion you're dealing with people who are gonna offer you nothing or are you gonna be a hindrance to you and they're even gonna cause you financial time all this stuff that's what true religion is it's a sacrifice like Jesus right that's our role the results of it are up to God, you know, so that's kind of what the essence, because it all connects. I mean, there's just wisdom principles to live by, but obviously you want to use wisdom when you're dealing with people. I mean, Jesus tells us to be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. He says the world is way more craftier than you are. So (laughs) he he tells people you might want to wise up a little, you know, so it's, it's a wisdom thing. So we're going to get into that. What exactly is wisdom? But no, that's, it's all true. Basically, it's getting at partiality. Like, who are we to make godly? Who are we to make evil distinctions? Um, does that make sense? Like, who are we to say, this person gets the best seat in the house, and, well, you know, we you, you ignore or just, you know, you ignore someone else because of the way they look or something. You know, that's, That's essentially the main point, the primary point.
2: Seems to me like there's gotta be some discernment involved here because if some poor guy comes up to you and says, uh, you can't be uh, partial over me, I want to take uh, and manage all of your bank affairs. No, you you want a successful person to do that, not somebody that's poor.
0: Oh yeah, I, don't, I, I mean I don't I think that's a I think that's a total issue from from I don't think that's the same kind of issue here, he's basically right. talking about um, In, relational issues, yeah. like rela- personal relational issues he's not talking about, you know there's qualifications um, for church leadership this is you as a person dealing with another human being who may be damned forever, you know And you may be their only vehicle to the gospel. So he's basically saying, don't, don't, he gets at the rich. That's what he says in chapter one, the rich, the rich are fading just because like you, you, you want to show favoritism to this person. And then he goes on. We're going to see the rich are the ones who, uh, the rich are the ones who, um, you know, of chapter six and seven. The rich are the ones who are basically like taking you to court. This is one of the big issues in the first century. The rich were robbing people of money through the law system, which is happening today. He's saying the rich that you seem to this is being stained by the world, valuing the rich. That's the way that people are stained by the world. We take that's why Jesus says you can't serve God and mammon. He doesn't say you can't serve God and the devil. The devil has no. The devil in and of himself is not tempting you with anything. He has to have mammon, worldly things that draw you in. And money is the biggest root. It causes the root of all kinds of evil. So if you have in your mindset, which they did, that money just makes you invincible and stuff, you know, and you, you start to praise it. So, I mean, the rich, from a Christian perspective... Like we talked about last week can be being rich can be a devastating thing for your soul, and like I said, America is um the most dangerous place to live you know for your soul because we basically have everything at our disposal that we want, you know, and so the being rich um has its benefits, but when it comes to you know hoping someone finds the gospel, it shouldn't make you want to help that person more. I mean, it's kind of a simple... Yeah.
3: As you're talking, I'm trying to understand why it is that we have these perceptions, which would have been true then as it is now. Yeah. And so, if you think deeper about why having material things would have signified something to them, <clears throat> In the old testament it talks about how if you serve God there will be these worldly blessings that yeah. come with that. Yeah. And so <clears throat> and so the perception would be then this person has those things yeah. because they love and serve God. Yeah. Whereas if this person does not, then it's God's curse against that person. Yeah. And I think that's part of how part of the reason how we Of how we think also, because when we have people who come into the congregation who show a lot of damage, then you start to think, well, why is that? Yeah, yeah. There's obvious sin that was in their lives. Yeah. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't work within them and try to help them. But there's probably something
0: deeper going on. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, but then you get into judging there. The, the, I mean, like the thing is, is like Paul says, the sins of some are conspicuous. The sin are, sins of others are hidden. That doesn't matter. I'm not responsible. My responsibility is what the Lord calls me to do. And the outcome of it is not mine. So I'll give you an example. And this makes I've had liberals and conservatives cringe. At this, but listen to my reasoning. So if I, so I always teach my kids to keep, try to keep a dollar or something on them because the scripture really gives no qualification. Jesus says, if you see, if someone asks you for something, give it, there's no qualification. So if we see someone, we walk someone when they have a sign, I try to keep a quarter a dollar or something just to give them something to interact with them. But if I'm at a gas station and this person's obviously homeless. And has a lot of issues. If he's not intoxicated or something, I know he's going to buy beer. I'll buy him a beer and a pack of cigarettes, right? And that seems counterintuitive. But the thing is, is that you have to, this is part of using wisdom. Because you have to understand, this person is totally destroyed on a lot of levels in life. You saying, look, man, just be honest with me. Do you want a beer? Is a cigarette? Is that what you're going for? You go get it to him, you take that to him. If you can take the time, this is part of the true religion. If you can take the time just to reason with him, say, look, man, I don't know, you know, he may share some stuff with you. Um, I don't know where you're at in life. You know, I see what, you know, what's going on. And I understand, beer may be the only comfort, alcohol may be the only comfort in this guy's life, you know? And you being preachy and, and trying to convert him right there, He's not going to listen to it. But if you can relate to him and say, look, the only hope that you have in this life is Jesus. You can open the door where he'll listen to you because you totally disarm him, right? You totally disarm him and you treat him as a human being, you know? And that's what Jesus was accused of. Why are you eating with sinners and tax collectors? That's what I'm saying. Liberals should not be more loving than conservatives. Why do they they get all the... Social justice stuff. Social justice is just a tool to lead people to Jesus. If it becomes the main thing, that's the error. But you are called to love and serve. I mean, that's that's what that's what Jesus calls us to. You know. I
2: know we're totally messing up your time for. Oh, no, it's. <laughs> that's what <laughs> they we're said. I for. could add on weeks. That's so. what we're here for. Yeah. Um, in verse two, it says, "For if a man comes into your assembly." I've got NASB. Yeah. But that's what it says that word means synagogue. And so, I mean, James is talking to Jews, Jews. here. Yeah. And so that there are probably a lot richer Jews that they're having this problem with because yeah. it seems like historically in the beginning Christians weren't rich. Yeah. Normally. There were a few problems. Yeah.
0: The Jews. Um, yeah, that the, these were Jews, and the richer. The, so the context of the letter is, the rich, um, the rich were really um, treating the poor badly, and like that's that's the that's the thing, and like they were, you know, there were people that were they were using the law to basically swindle money from the poor people, even in the church, you know, and um, yeah, it was it it was bad. I mean. It was a mess. So yeah, and there was a lot of, uh, so Jews back then were not like, it's not just out of the blue that people disliked Jews. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, I think our education system says that in outside of Palestine, if they found out you were from Israel, you were getting persecuted or you were getting ostracized. They didn't want to deal with you. (laughs) They, they've heard too many stories, you know, and, um, you know, they, they've known people who've been swindled by, by his people from Israel. Um, they, were, they were, you know, some of the patriarchs were dirty, dirty people. Jacob, yeah, um, we can continue on. This is important stuff. Um, so it wasn't, so there was persecution. So um, So rich would come, the rich would have to, the rich Jews would have to, only option a lot of times was to get in the church with other Jewish Christians. And they were dirty. I mean, they were—they would—they were still some not believers and they would take advantage of poor people. So that's—that's that's in the context. Do you
2: think maybe Christians were still meeting in the synagogue
0: at um, this point? I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. At this point, I think this was mainly Jews. I think there was still the the Judaizers. There were still some distinctions until the Council of Jerusalem. That's when Paul. Right. I mean, when, they were kind of mixed. Yeah, so they got they, they became mixed after Acts 15 for sure. But there was a lot of division prior to that because you had probably some of the wealthier ones they wanted people to get circumcised, you know. <laughs> so they were like, you know, so it was a lot of it was a mess. There
1: was a lot of conflict also between the Hellenistic mm-hmm. and the, the Palestinian Jews. So the Hellenistic yeah. Jews were Jews that spoke Greek, had, yeah. Spread out throughout the empire, and had come back to Jerusalem for uh, Passover. Yeah, and so there was conflict among them because the Hellenistic Jews were considered more worldly, and not as religious. Yeah, as the ones who didn't, who chose not. To yeah,
0: choose. that's another. So the rich and the poor is a the distinction. Then you had those who who were, that's what a lot of James is addressing. When he says, if you consider yourself religious, but you basically are slandering or judging this person, your religion's worthless. Because there was those distinctions. There was a sect that really thought the law should be upheld more, and probably the sect that wanted, like, Timothy and all of them to get circumcised. And then there was the sect that was really trying to work out what is this law of liberty in Christ, you know? So you had all those going on. Um, So, yeah, this is it. What other reflections? Because it's tough. But do you understand, like, it's not a sin to buy. This is what James is about. It's about wisdom. Because, like, when you're buying this homeless person a beer, if you're convicted about it, don't do it. But if you're understanding, it's the wisdom of Sitting at the table with this person for this only shot you may have. And this may be the only shot that he ever has to hear about Jesus. You know, so these are the ways that he wants you to think, because, look, let's just uh, we'll wrap up. we got a few minutes. We'll just read this. Um, this faith without works and then we'll continue with it. But he says, what good is it, my brother? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says, go in peace and be warmed and filled, basically like, God bless you, have a good one, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself does not have works but is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. And he was called a friend of God. You see, that person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So we'll get into this next week. But where did Abraham read that he was supposed to go? Where in the law did Abraham... Read that he was supposed to go sacrifice Isaac. Where in the law did Rahab read. That she was supposed to redirect. The soldiers from chasing the Israelites. We're in the law. It wasn't in the law. It was a it was. Abraham was a prophet priest king. It was relationship to God. That caused them to act. It was their relationship with God. So what. Essentially what all this is. Um. It's not a rote legalization or legalism. It's being walking by the spirit. Romans 8. So that's what we're going to get into. That's when you walk by the spirit. The law becomes written on your heart. You see it. You're, you're walking this out. It's a wisdom thing. So, <clears throat> and, and the spirit's never going to go against the law of God. You're just working it out in your situation. And that's what James is. Wisdom, like Proverbs, you know, it says, um, I forgot what chapter, but it says, correct the fool according to his folly, you know, and he will um, change or whatever. then the next verse, says, don't correct the fool according to his folly, because wisdom is vital that your relationship with Christ is strong. So you have the wisdom to navigate life. So that's the biggest thing with James is, Navigate your relationships in the world that we're living in. You know, so that's the that's that's kind of what he's getting at. Anything else? It, it's strange that Martin Luther would call this an epistle of truth. Oh no! Originally, I, in the uh, Reformation, he said with, say, he wanted like, it faith, out we saved by faith, yeah, alone, but not a faith that is yeah. alone. Yeah, works. Yeah, he says the same. And James is saying that's what that James has a lot of gospel in it, because James is basically saying, look, if you aren't connected to Christ, you're not. as you've got to stay, you've got to stay in right relationship with Christ and others. And so in our Christian walk. That's why Jesus says, if your brother has something against you, go settle it. Because if you have horizontal issues, you're going to have vertical issues with your relationship with God, you know? So, I think James is totally like, you need to humility, you know, walk by the Spirit. I think that's what James is getting at, so. But James, uh, yeah, I don't know, I I haven't read what Luther said about that, but he definitely, he wanted it out in one of his writings. He he thought it shouldn't be in there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which I can get if you look at it. But James is just saying, you know, he's basically, it's the other side of what Paul says in Romans 5. Because Paul uses that same example. Was Abraham declared righteous before he was circumcised or after? Not after, but before. So he was considered righteous, but the act was just, the, Ephesians, so these works, they're, they're more fruit than something we girdle up. Demonstration. Yeah. Works prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So if you're walking in the spirit, He, God has specific works specifically for you that he's ordained for you as a person because he's sovereign, you know. And that's to do that, you know, walking in the spirit. So we can, we can keep talking about this, you know, next week. So I think James is like a lot of, like, it's not as it's not as brutal as he thought it. He made it out to be. <laughs> I don't think, you know, so no, he came around at the end. Yeah, he accepted it at the end. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think also you know he was at a time when um, so he he see Jews see it's a Jewish letter, and Jews in Luther's time were they, you know people tried to avoid them. So that's why he wrote his against the Jews contra the Jews that book. Because James is a big um, Jewish book, and I think the Jew Christian Jews at that time were using James a lot for means of being, like, for their legalism. Works righteousness. Yeah. yeah. So, so Luther was combating that, too. But it's, there's a lot. So we could talk about this so much. But, yeah, thank you.